Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Break It Down for Brackens podcast. I'm Kevin Brackens, and today we are talking to Denisha Chikariki. Denisha is running for magistrate in Division I in Jefferson County. I look forward to breaking down what that position is, um, what made her decide she wanted to run for magistrate, and um, frankly, I don't know anything about the position, so I'm looking forward to learning about that. So, Denisha, thank you for being on the podcast. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so, let's just get started with, um, who is Denisha? Tell me about yourself. Hey, well, I am, I'm a mother, a wife, I am a bail bondsman. I reside in Jefferson County here in Charlestown locally. Um, I have an eight-year-old son and eleven-year-old daughter who attend the schools locally, and I um, am active in the community. I'm a community community liaison as well, in addition to my bail bonding job. And um, I am excited to be here to talk to you. Awesome. So tell me about before we get into the the juicier parts of you running for office. Bail bondsman. What does that mean? A bail bondsman is a person, if someone was arrested, they were arrested for driving under the influence, they would go in front of a magistrate and the magistrate would set a bond. And that bond amount, they would have to contact a bondsman to post their bond. I don't want to sound simple. Sure. I have not been in this version of trouble yet. Um, a bond does what? A bond secures that the defendant goes to court. After they're bailed out of jail. Correct. Okay, again, I'm going to break it down. So sure. in this, again, I get pulled over for DUI. The police put me in their car, mm -hmm. process me, process me, and put me in a, a holding cell of some sort. Do I call you or do I call somebody who calls you? So... Two different, two different scenarios. Once you are arraigned, once once you go in front of the judge and the judge says, Mr. Brackens, you know, your bond is going to be $2,500, um, then you're given an option. They'll tell you there's a list of, of people that you can call on the wall by the telephone in the jail, and you pick one. Okay. So you would contact, our, contact me, and I would say, okay, Kevin, well, we can go ahead and get this started, but give me the name of someone to call because someone's going to have to sign for you. It's like signing a bank loan. Okay. Um, they, you need a co-signer, someone that's going to ensure that you are going to show up for court. So you tell me, oh, you, well, you should call my wife, Jenny. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, so then Jenny, okay. So in other words, they, um, they bring the money to you, then Correct. you tell the court, they're good to go, they're definitely going to show up, yes. we have their bond yes okay sorry to interrupt there so they're bonded out of jail and then what so once they're brought to the office we put them into a database system where they check in weekly until they go to court it's our responsibility to make sure that that person goes to court they check in every week once they go to court um, and we're gonna segue into this the verdict is made as to whether they're guilty not guilty or they just don't contact there's no contest that they they decide what the verdict is and they pay their fines. Once we know that that court decision has been done has been made, then they're released from the bond. And then I got you. That that's that's a good background. This doesn't have to be about this podcast. Sure. Doesn't have to be about bail bonds. That sounds like an entirely different podcast. Um, because again, there's just so much I don't know. Uh, well, look, 
How did you decide to run for magistrate? Running for magistrate has always been, for me, the end game. When I started in bail bonding 17 years ago, um, I was always intrigued with the magistrates that I dealt with over the last 17 years. Um, have such mad respect for them, um, what they do. And I were, if you would ask me, you know, 10 years ago, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? I would tell you it would be hopefully being sitting, being a city magistrate in Jefferson County. Okay. And a magistrate is different than a judge or they are a judge? A magistrate is a, the best term I can give you is a, a people's judge or the judge for the people. Um, you hear cases, any type of civil cases, um, that are less than $10,000. We hear misdemeanor cases. Can you give me an example of what a civil case is versus a Absolutely. criminal case? Civil case. So you have a company and let's just say that you have a client and you did a job for them and they owe you $5,000. You would go into the courthouse. They've, you've tried, you've exhausted every resource to have them pay you. So you would go in and file a civil, the courthouse and it would be a civil case because money is owed they would come into the court you would have a court date set and the judge magistrate would make the determination that you no know, yes you know John Doe does in fact owe Bracken's painting five thousand dollars and they would give you the opportunity the plaintiff the opportunity to you know let's set up a payment plan or make good on this with you or they would just simply say okay the verdict has been we have awarded, you know, this to Mr. Brackens. You're to pay him the money and remedy okay. what's, what, what's owed. And again, I'm so good at cutting people off. So sure. there's civil cases and there's criminal cases. You also see criminal cases. Criminal cases, absolutely. Um, criminal cases, if someone is brought into court and let's, let's just say it's a, a, a larceny, a petty larceny. Um, someone went into a grocery store and they stole food and they're brought in it's brought into the courtroom and the person is brought in before the judge and the prosecuting attorney and they make they they're made a, a judgments made that the person has to remedy the amount of money that was taken so it was $250 in goods they would have to remedy that to the the store that they took that from and and that's you know but that's the restitution per se does a magistrate put people in jail a magistrate does. Yes, they are. The magistrate does put them in jail. These, I know these are very simple questions, but no, I no, just, not at I, all. That's why I have you in here. I really right. don't know about Absolutely. the position. Absolutely, and that's when when they say there's a a bail bonding hearing. You know, there is a jail commit when someone's brought in, and there that's when they're the magistrate goes through the arraignment and they're placed. They're in you know, they're in jail. Okay. So there there can be someone can be put in jail or commit from the magistrate. Okay, so you're running for magistrate in Division One. Yes, yes, Division One. How many divisions are there, or how is that determined? What a division is? Is it geographical, or is sure. it based on population, so or something like that? There are three divisions, um, and divisions they don't have any geographical boundaries. They are basically used during filing just to determine which candidate to run against. So there's nothing brought into that geographically whatsoever. Okay, so how many? Okay, here's how many magistrates are there at a time? Three. Three, mm -hmm. for the whole county. Correct. Okay, and 
are you res- where is the primary seat or are they spread out across the county all the magistrates are um within jefferson county they're all within the same so there's and i'm and i'm sorry i, I mean i mean i guess where do you hold court oh in the magistrate building where's that in the courthouse which is right downtown um Charles, charlestown charlestown yes sir but in the Shepherdstown has a courthouse. No, no, they do not. So anything for Shepherdstown, Harpers Ferry, Ranson, Carneysville, Charlestown, it's all housed in the Judicial Center. Um, I need to visit Shepherdstown more often, I guess. Jeez, so. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't realize that there wasn't a courthouse there. Yes, there's oh, I'm, a... I'm confusing it with the uh, the police department. Yes, yes, each municipality does have a police department for the most part, but no, the Judicial Center houses, um, that is where all the, they're all set there. And That's great. That's why we're breaking it down for practice Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so what, um, again, I'm, I'm just confused about the division. So there's three divisions. Yes. And currently, who is serving? So currently in Division One mm-hmm. is Magistrate Boober. Okay. Um, Division Two is uh, newly appointed Arthena Roper, who um, took over for Magistrate Ristler, who retired in November. Okay. Division Three. You said she was appointed. Yes. So who who appoints? The the judge. So Judge Hammer appointed um, Arthena Roper for the position, the the unexpired um, term. Okay. That Magistrate Ristler was vacating due to retirement. And interestingly enough, Division Three, um, Magistrate D'Angelo, who was um, appointed as well by the judge to fulfill Magistrate Bill Sensony's seat when he retired in January of last year. Did did Bill appoint D'Angelo? Bill recommended. Okay. He met, and that that was his assistant for fifteen years. Gotcha. So, you know, she's she's um. She definitely knows knows what she's doing, knows her way around the courtroom and the and the office. Okay, so you said Judge Hammer. Mm-hmm. He's a judge above magistrates? Correct. Okay. Are there, so he is how a many circuit, judges are there? In the circuit court in Jefferson County, there are, I believe, two. There's Judge Hammer and Judge Lawrenson. Okay, and then circuit court can appoint magistrates if there's a vacancy? Correct, if there's an unexpired term and, you know, if there would be... Something that, um, yes, they're there to appoint. Should the should the term become empty or the seat become empty, they are responsible for appointing someone. Yes, a circuit judge can yes uh, appoint somebody, and they're mm-hmm. they're are they already dialed in on who they want to appoint, most likely. Correct. Great. So then, Magistrate Boober is retiring, and that's Division One. Division One. Yes. Okay. And then you choose which division. You do. Otherwise, you could run against Roper or D'Angelo. You could shoot. You just, um, as I like to like say, challenge them. Challenge them. You could. You basically, you pick your poison. I see. I see. Okay, great. Um, I think I understand the divisions. Then it's just that there's three available positions, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess if I was running for magistrate, I would want to find the most appealing path to win. And if somebody is retiring, that's just an automatic opening. So. Okay, I understand that. Um, what qualities or traits do you feel make a good magistrate? I feel that you need to be fair, firm, 
impartial. So, I feel like I need more, okay. more juice. So, uh, so hold on. Let me let me let me break it down more. Sure. I run. Well, how do I know if I have enough time to be a magistrate? Like, why would I consider being a magistrate? So, I guess what I'm saying is, you say impartial, you say fair. Mm -hmm. What was the other one? It was firm. Firm. Um, how much are you working? Like, can I also own two other businesses and be a magistrate? Can I, can I be, um, I guess. I think that would be challenging. Right. So I guess that's what I'm saying is so, what are other contingencies that you need to really have in place before deciding to run for? I think, Pete, I think you need to, I think you need to understand that. So a magistrate is on call. The rotation with, with three, three seats is every three weeks. So every three weeks you are on call seven days for 24 hours that means if you get a call in the middle of the night that we need a search warrant or you know there has been a murder we need an arrest warrant um doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning you need to go you need to go in and sign off on that warrant um, I, I feel like that would have been on so that's on a magistrate even though you're dealing with maybe less lower crimes and yes. lower civil cases you're on call but someone like judge hammer would not be on call no no okay. no okay okay that, that's good that's good to know so definitely okay. as well as which is also interesting um so when you're not on call you still have you still have a schedule to, to maintain a caseload a caseload absolutely so once you go go off your seven days a week, 24 hours a day, then you, your Monday through Friday job, per se, is maintaining your schedule where you could have, um, you know, where you're set up that, oh, well, the, the DUI, there's DUI, there's a petty larceny. You have several hearings and cases that you need to hear during that week, and that's your, you still need to maintain your schedule and, per se, your caseload and make sure that's expedited as well. So it's um it's not for the it's not for the faint of heart I believe. <laughs> right, and then I, I assume the bail bondsman business is also twenty four hours. It is, it is. Um, I jokingly say someone had said to me, "Wow, I bet, do you really want to run for magistrate because you're on call?" And I said, "You know, the only difference with the magistrate is that it might be actually a break if elected." I said, "I would be going from being on call every three weeks for twenty four hours." seven days a week versus I've been on call for 17 years, 365 days, right? Okay. <laughs> 24 hours. Good. So it might actually be a little bit of a break. So, so being firm, being fair and, um, impartial. Mm -hmm. Give me an example of what impartial means. You know, you maybe, maybe a fictitious case or something, or I mean, just an example of where one could be partial or impartial. Okay. So let's just, I'm going to use you, Kevin. Okay. Okay. Sure. Um, think you're a great guy, but let's say you're a landlord and someone comes in, they filed, you know, you filed that you want to evict them. They haven't paid their rent and they have, they come in and they, they show pictures, you know, that, well, you, they don't have water or, you know, they don't, their, their water's not working. You don't have not replaced their water heater. Or there's a hole in the wall. There's a window missing. 
even though I think you're a really great guy, um, I have to be fair. And even though I would, you know, in the back of my mind, wow, Kevin's a really great guy. I don't want to do this to him. I would have to make that decision, decide for the person that they're not living under habitable conditions and say, you know what, they have just cause for not, um, for not remedying their rent or. That's a great example. Thank you for that. Um, I used to have an employee who would get into trouble quite often. And um, I feel like he was always going in front of the same magistrate. If somebody is getting in trouble on a regular basis, do they typically get assigned the same magistrate because you understand how their case is going or the challenges they're having? Or is that just coincidental with that particular person? It's coincidental. Okay. It's coincidental. Um, I guess what I would be a little concerned about, depending on what the situation was, um, if the magistrate has seen them that that often. Um, I just rolled my eyes, by the way, because yes. it was very frustrating <laughs> as an employer. I would, for me, I would have to try to look at the bigger picture. Um, you know so, what? If I could back up, sure. now that I think about it, he was in a series of troubles. Okay. And it wasn't that, now that I realize it, it wasn't that he was always seeing the same magistrate. It was that he knew each magistrate so well. Just and sad. what a very loyal worker and hard worker, but he just could not get out of his own way when it came to his nightlife and getting in trouble. Um, so, okay, that, that, that kind of answers that question for me, but it, okay. I didn't, I thought maybe you're like, okay, John Smith or whatever your name is, right. we're seeing you again in here. Well, and I guess my question would be, well, so let's say your employee, John Smith, had a problem with substance abuse, mm -hmm. and that's why he was getting in trouble. I, I would wonder, was he given the resources, let's say Day Report Center? Sure. Was he given the resources to try to com combat that substance abuse? Because there's so many resources that I don't think people are aware of. And sometimes you can head off the problem before it starts, or if we get in there kind of right in midstream, Maybe stop it, try to stop it before it escalates. Yeah. And the, so I went through leadership, um, Jefferson, a couple of years ago, and we went through local government and we mm -hmm. met with a magistrate or two. And they talked about the caseload just being pretty overwhelming. It is. Almost so much that there's not even enough room in the the courtroom, if that's what it's called, where you go for your, your hearing or your case. Um, how? How do you... I mean, you haven't won the position yet, but how, how would you work with what might be a very stressful, long caseload? Well, honestly, with, with that being said, there needs, there was a need for a fourth magistrate. Um, okay. There really is. And what you run into is that your magistrates are literally coming in. The courthouse opens at 730 in the morning. And to my understanding, because I'm not in that seat yet. Sure. Um, but they're pretty much going nonstop where they're, you know, when they get in that door at 730 in the morning. Case that, after case after case. It is nonstop with case after case after case. Um, you know, the only thing that they can probably take a little bit of um, comfort in is that they're not Berkeley County, which has, I believe, five, six sitting, sitting magistrates. Okay. Um, because of their caseload is so much higher because they're along the 81 quarter. Crime is a little bit higher. Good. I think we're going to almost be close to being done with this podcast, but I want to touch on a few more items. Sure. So in reference to the longer caseloads mm -hmm. and what I could imagine would be some version of potential burnout. 
right? Yes. Um, if you become magistrate, how do you handle the ethics? You know, I, we, we talked about that a little bit in the, in the pre-interview, but the ethics of handling caseloads like that and um, being impartial and not just tired, you know, right. or worn out. Tell me a little bit about the, um, discuss that for me. Um, well, we have to tread carefully with ethics. Um, okay. There, there's lots of things that um, that were bound, even running as a candidate. Um, when I filed, I was given a wonderful campaign book to follow that the West, West Virginia Ethics Commission, there are certain things that we can't. Um, who, as, who gave you the um, the, the paper, Oh, at paperwork? the Jefferson County Clerk's Office, the clerk. The oh, so it's provided. Clerk. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they tell you that it's online. Okay. Um, I t I'm a person, I, I like to have things tangible that I can feel and I can touch. So I actually called or contacted the Secretary of State and they sent me a book. Um, you can read it online. It's online as well. But there are lots of things that ethically we can't say. You know, we can't, we can't say that we're going to, you know, end homelessness. We can't say. Make claims. We would, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, you, I feel like most platforms, like I feel like this is one of the few um, elected offices. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Granted, I don't know a lot about right. elected offices, but I feel like this is one of the few that can't have a platform because they have to stay impartial. Yes, and that's why it's nonpartisan. There is no, and that's what you may not have realized that, but there is no um, Democrat, Republican. It is nonpartisan. You don't, you know, so I couldn't tell you anyone that has, that is currently running what their political affiliation is or what their, if they're Republican, Democrat, that all goes out the window, which to me is really nice. It's refreshing. I can see that. The, um, what do you do when somebody asks you, how are we going to handle the you know, whatever this, uh, let's see, I, I'll give one. How do we handle the, the speeding or the DUI epidemic? Well, the, the only thing that, and it has to be very nondescript, you know, that I can honestly say that, you know, we have to use just sound judgment to make sure that we're enforcing the state laws or municipal laws and the procedures. I, we really can't, you're not in a position you're, if you're doing it correctly, if you're answering correctly and not right. going to put yourself in any hot water, you would just say that you're going to make sure that the laws and procedures are carried out, you know. So you have to just kind of tap dance around the answer. You do. You do. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's you know, that's part of part of the process. It, okay. Okay. So, yeah, I like I like the direction of that. So when it comes to the ethics of, of, of campaigning. Absolutely. So for the most part, you don't want it just to be a popularity contest you oh. want it to be you want people to vote for you due to the substance that you bring to the position absolutely um i mean anybody really should want it that way and then that you you have to get people just to get to know who you are and to believe in you oh, to be a good magistrate i agree yeah. i agree you're you without know, you're... without being partial correct correct and and just having someone that you know that is able to utilize the resources that are available there are so many resources, and I can say that. There are so many resources available. Um, like I said, I, I'm always going to go back to Day Report Center because I think it's just a wonderful, yeah. wonderful. Um, but even right down to DUIs, people, you probably didn't know this, but there's a DUI deferral program. Which I actually is, just heard about that yesterday from the Day Report. I was over there um, talking to them about something. It's been around forever. 
you know. Um, most people know it, commonly named Blow and Go. Okay, sure. It's been around forever. What people don't know, and um, I, I don't mind saying this at all, I have a nephew, you know. He is, um, he went through the stage, he's 30 now, but he's uh, he went through the stage of Fast and Furious. He was, he loved it. He thought he was always getting reckless driving, always getting pulled over, you know. Um, he got a DUI, you know, after many years, but first DUI. Right. And um, he was fortunate enough that the magistrate, when they went to court, when he went to court, but he was given the op- option of the DUI deferral program because it was his first DUI. Okay. Um, he had to go to a class for, you know, D- for substance abuse, which is anything, drugs, alcohol, so forth. But for the alcohol, he had the interlock system that went on his car for, I believe, eight to ten months. And every morning when he went to work, so that was a wonderful thing. He didn't lose not being able to go to work. Right. Because he still was able to keep his license. He blew into the device. And it sent the readings over. Um, it was invaluable for him, you know, because once that he completed that program, he was able to get that DUI expunged from his life, from his record. I see that. That's really good. So to some extent, what you're saying is that a magistrate is there to be firm, mm-hmm. as you said before, um, and f- fair, right? Right. So the fair part would be... Instead of just saying, okay, $2,000 fine the next six weekends in jail and no license, you could say, well, you know, here are some other options for you. And if you can behave correctly inside these programs, we can right. second chance it kind of deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, here's the thing. To air is human. Sure. It, it, it is. But I think that this gives someone an opportunity to redeem themselves and... You know, I always jokingly say that um, maybe they may not, they will choose more wisely whether that, you know, before they get in the car, because after you pay for... It's scary going to court. Yeah, it is. Well, and the monetary part of it, I mean, you know, the fees, the fines, people don't realize, you know, when you go to jail, believe it or not, Kevin, you pay to go to jail, as I jokingly tell people, because they say, well, when I went in, I had $50 in my wallet and I came out and there was only 10. And I said, oh, that's because Hotel ERJ charges you to stay there. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, I definitely didn't know about that um, either. So, yeah. So, yes, there's a, there's definitely a, there's always a lesson to be learned. And maybe sometimes people will think more proactively that, you know, maybe I should leave the car here at the bar and call an Uber, call a Lyft, get a. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. So, there's definitely. Um, the aspect that you you can you can help people, and I think that you can kind of put them put them on the right path if they're starting to stray. That's great. Now, a, a, a judge is a little different. Mm-hmm. That's a little more. Let's straighten this out right now, kind of thing. Right. Okay. We don't need to go down that rabbit hole. That's it. Just helps me uh, have some perspective. Um, so, how does one get to know you better? How do we connect with you? Oh. Uh, well, ask you questions, maybe. Absolutely. Well, you can. I have a Facebook Facebook page, and then I also have um, email, which is quite a handful, but it's my last name, and it's chickaricky for magistrate at gmail dot com. And um, actually, I'm. I like to think that I'm available at any time. I do have a cell phone number, and it's not a problem for me to give that out because it's quite honestly, it's on the jail 
It's on the wall at the jail. So Good point, right? <laughs> so, but yes, I can be reached by cell phone um, at any time as well. But also, I have some events coming up. Okay. Um, so on President's Day, I am going to be at Ortega's, just an informal, um, just there to meet people at Ortega's Taco Shop, which is right located right downtown in Charlestown, right around the corner from the courthouse, as a matter of fact. Right. And, um, and I'll be there throughout the day and I'm ha- uh, to meet people and happy to answer any questions and if people want to get to know me because there are maybe some people that don't know me and I'd love to meet them and I'm work also working on a another meet and greet at a step in time bake shop which is located in Ransom Civic Center if you're not familiar with that it is the home of the Mama Joe's pepperoni rolls which okay. are fabulous they actually won the first prize at the West Virginia Fest this past June. Oh, delicious. Nice. So, yes. But yes, please. And and if anyone out there is, um, you know, would like to meet me, I'm always open to coming to any of any venue or to your establishment. Um, you know, I, I want to be there for people. I'm, I'm accessible. And I want people to feel like they can come up and talk to me and ask me questions. I'm happy to answer any questions that they have. And, you know, I'd like to be there for the people. At the end of the day, the magistrate is the people's judge. And I think you need to be for the people. Nice. And at the same time, not really being able to have a platform. I guess your platform is fair, impartial, and firm. And um, I guess you can have the conversations with people, but you gotta just, you got to walk that fine line of not being on I don't, I don't know. That's a tough. That's a tough ethics. Uh, it is. Mm-hmm. It is. But you know, like Kevin, I, I believe that when when people meet you, you know, they can. You don't get a, a a second chance to make a first impression. That's good. Yeah. Good point. And I think that um, if people get to know me, they can make they they can make once they speak to me, they can make a better, well informed decision as to who they want to vote for. And I can just hope that their vote is for me. And then uh, voting day. When is voting day? Voting day is May 12th. Okay. And then, of course, there is early voting, which kicks off on April 29th. May 12th and April 29th. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those where you vote inside your own district? Or within div- your own district, within your own precinct. And, precinct, yeah. And if you're not familiar with where your precinct is, you can go online to jeffersoncountywv.org. And there is a wonderful section that tells you about voting, that tells you about early voting. Um, you can even, if you're homebound, if you're a homebound person, you can do absentee. So there's there's definitely the ways to get out there and, and get out there and vote. Are you able to, I see you're wearing your pen, Denisha Chikariki for magistrate. Are you able to campaign like at events that are happening? I, I am... I am always on, as I say. Okay. Um, I am always on, and I try to make sure that I'm making appearances and getting out to meet people. But, yes, I can campaign. I, I nice. try to tread very, very carefully right on, step on any toes or, sure. or do any um, anything, the conflict of interest. But, but yes, I try to be out there at, at different events and, and be out there so people can get to know me. That's great, Denisha. Uh, are there any other points anything that um we didn't discuss we don't have to wrap up immediately i'm just saying i feel like my questions are answered but is there anything that you want the public to know um besides your event at ortega's on president's day uh but like what else is there anything we're missing i didn't ask 
You know, Kevin, I really can't think of anything. I just, you know, I'm, I've enjoyed talking with you, and I'm hoping that this, you know, the information that was relayed, you know, that I've gave you today, and it was just nice to have an informal setting just for you and I sit down and chat. But I hope it gave people a little bit better um, insight as to what magistrates do, because I think a lot of people aren't really, you know, really familiar with it, what it entails. Well, I, I definitely learned quite a bit more than before I sat down with you. So that's that's the whole point. Break it down for Brackens. Well, what we'll do is we will include your phone number, email, and the um, Facebook page in the notes of yes. this podcast. And then you can feel free to share this podcast as all of your supporters can share it to get the word out. Love to. And ultimately, we never really have enough voters show up for voting day anyways. I really hope that... Um, we engage, we engage and engage and engage to get people out there voting to oh, get so pe important. to get people that we want to support in office. Right. And um, thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by City National Bank in Ransom, West Virginia. I am Melissa Knott and manage both of our Jefferson County locations. Our Charlestown location is located on George Street in Charlestown and the Ransom location is located in the Potomac Marketplace Shopping Center. City National Bank is a full-service community bank that provides an array of financial services. We offer a range of free checking accounts and savings products for both consumer and business customers. City National Bank offers competitive low-rate and low-cost lending products for both business and personal needs. Come and talk to me or one of my team members and get products and services that are tailored to fit your schedule and help you to achieve your financial goals. I can be reached at both the Ranson and Charlestown locations. Check out our website at www.bankatcity.com.